Listen at your own discretion as the following content contains strong language, adult dialogue, discussions of violence, and spoilers. Cue the intro. in a pod. My name is Heather. I'm Sarah. And I'm Delia. If you're interested in a trio of ladies that get together and record their book club for the masses, stick around. This episode of Three Reads will be discussing The Bell Jar. If you want to read along, we post the book and book bite of the month on our Instagram, Three Reads in a Pod, and that's the number three. Without further ado, it's time to turn the page. Okay, so I chose this book. This was Sarah's pick. Um, just based on the fact that uh, I started reading Sylvia Plath's um, poems, her poetry, and there was this one that I really enjoyed it was Lady Lazarus. It's my favorite. And uh, it talked about her suicide attempts. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. And then I did some research and I thought, wow, she wrote the book, The Bell Jar, you know, and it's highly recommended. Um, it's a classic for everyone to read, you know, kind of like a coming of age, obviously deals with some heavy themes. You've got um, mental illness, sex, uh, societal expectations and norms, you know, just that whole, like, what are you going to do when you grow up kind of thing, um, that mentality. So I thought it would be interesting to read together. But here is some background on Sylvia. Uh, so Sylvia Plath, she was born on October 27th, 1932 in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, she published her first poem at the age of eight. She also lost her father at the age of eight about a week and a half after her uh, birthday. So her mom was Austrian uh, and of Austrian descent and her father was German. And her father, I believe, was also a professor, and he was a beekeeper. Uh, super interesting with that. Obviously, I think her childhood played a major part um, in her mental health, as it does with everyone. But mm -hmm. specifically, she mentioned being very happy, basically, in her childhood up until like eight or nine when her father passed away you know kind of thing which just makes uh, sense right her iq was recorded as 160 at the age of 12 i do Ooh. believe if you wanted to she had genius level iq um she first she tried to overdose on sleeping medications on august 24th 1953 she was 21 years old um she did exactly what we're going to talk about in the book, of course, and the whole situation played out exactly as that. She essentially went hid under her mom's like a crawl space under the house, and she wasn't found for three days. They thought she was missing at first, and then they found her, and surprise, she's alive. So, um, the bell jar was based on her own personal struggle with depression. Uh, her mother didn't want her to, at first, um, she didn't want it published. She didn't even want to tell her mother that she had written The Bell Jar. She used a pseudonym when she wrote it. And I can't remember. Is it Victoria Lucas? Victoria Lewis? Victoria something. And she, after she passed away, her mom did not want it published. Um, especially here in the United States. But obviously it ended up becoming published. But she did change the names. And I forget, there's like a French name for what it's called. But basically it's just like 
um, a fictionalized autobiography of her time at that age. She married poet Ted Hughes in 1956. They had two children together. Um, she was interested in astrology and the supernatural. She even dealt with like Ouija boards, that kind of thing. Join she them. lived in a flat in London where William Butler Yeats once lived. She actually was separated from her husband. He had cheated on her, had an affair with someone else. Um, she took the kids. They went and lived in this apartment. And that's ultimately where she died. She committed suicide on February 11th, 1963 by carbon monoxide poisoning. She placed her head inside of her oven. Um, she had blocked off the room. Her kids were in a separate room and she left them like food, water, left a note for her nurse to come basically check on her kids and she passed away. Um, then, you know, also I'm pretty sure Ted Hughes, the lady that he had an affair with, she also killed herself. So there was like speculation on whether he was abusive or not, but as we can tell with Celia Plath, she had like a history of, you know, mm -hmm. mental, mental illness. Um, Yep, Victoria Lucas as a pseudonym, or Lewis, like I said. Her son actually also committed suicide oh. uh, later on in life. And that was very, very sad to read. Uh, so, with That's the not really surprising, itself, though, statistically. No, it's like... Like, people that yeah. have family members that complete suicide are at a high... Or if you love, like, someone close to you that completes suicide, there's a higher risk absolutely. of you. Like, and I'm sure, has, too, with the how popular his mother is and how publicized mm -hmm. publicized all of her work is and her death and the bell jar and just reading all of that mm -hmm. um i know she had some journals that ended up getting published but there was the final journal of her life that she kept during the winter it was a bad winter obviously she ended up committing suicide during that time of her depression um but her husband would not allow those journals to be published but he burnt them. He didn't even want his kids to read them, apparently. He thought it was going to, you know, who knows. Um, but let me get into the summary of the book. So I just tried to summarize as best as I could, but we have Esther Greenwood. Um, she's, how old would she, you say she was at the beginning? 19. Does it say she's 19? Yeah. That's what I thought. So she's 19. Um, she has a summer internship in New York. She's questioning what she wants to do with her life. She's there with, you know, in New York with a, a lot of other girls. She has a pretty friend named Doreen who gets along well with men. Um, and she does not quite do that. Uh, she's used to studying a lot, doing things the right way. Um, but she slowly loses interest in writing, which we know of is like her greatest passion. Uh, she is dating a future doctor, Buddy who she calls a hypocrite and she questions her feelings for him continuously. Um, this is the 1950s, of course, but sex comes up as a theme throughout this. You know, she's, she wants to lose her virginity. She wants to experience life, but she's obviously experiencing depression. Um, her depression develops into a more debilitating state after she learns she does not get accepted into the Harvard summer writing course that she wanted to be. Um, accepted into she does not want to get out of bed she begins to fantasize about ways to kill herself she undergoes uh, is it electroshock therapy right that's what she undergoes mm -hmm. and after she gets a therapist um and after that it seems to that was a bad experience for her and it seems to go downhill she thought of cutting her wrists but then she thought it's too messy um, my skin looks too nice you know too vulnerable to cut my wrists she thought of hanging herself there were no beams in her home to really adequately hang herself 
She thought of drowning, but the water was cold and she kept floating back up. She finally tries to OD on sleep medication and she hides herself away from the world under her mom's house in the basement or crawl space. Uh, she survives and is found after two to three days. Um, she goes to a hospital to receive care. You know, she's transferred to a few facilities. As we know, kind of the list goes on. She undergoes more therapy, more electroshock, tre electroshock treatment. She does, I guess, improve slowly, you would say. Um, she ends up eventually losing her virginity to a math professor who she believes to be intelligent. Um, but throughout this time, also, she becomes... I guess friends or acquaintances with Joan, which is like an ex of buddies. It's, it's kind of convoluted. Um, and then Joan ends up hanging herself and Esther goes home, you know, she gets to go and go to Joan's funeral kind of thing. Um, but that's essentially that there's a lot more in there, but you know, that's what happens. So Esther does not kill herself. Joan does kill herself, but we have a lot of, a lot of angst in there. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's that. Thank you. Mm, okay. Initial thoughts. Delia, you go first. Okay. Um, okay, I will say real quick, uh, it is initial thoughts, and I know we're going to talk about this a lot. I also want to be, uh, so we don't, uh, the community doesn't use the word uh, committed suicide anymore, because <laughs> it sounds like you, it was a crime. So you could say die by, uh, it's preferred terms are died by suicide or completed suicide. Okay, um, well, she but, yeah, no, took you're her good. own life. <laughs> I said committed, I had to train myself not to. Like, until I started working in this field, I said the same thing. And even my coworkers will slip up and be like, and I'll be like, guys. <laughs> so you're good. Um, but yeah, I didn't like this book, <laughs> which I'm sure is like a shock to nobody here. Um, I, 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 I couldn't connect. I didn't find it to be enjoyable. I didn't like any of the characters, but I will say this, but it, I sat with this for two days before I really sat down to write my notes. Um, cause I was like, there's, I don't, I just don't like it and I don't know why and I can't figure it out. And my husband and I sat down and talked about it quite a bit. Um, upon further evaluation, uh, you know, talked with, with the husband, I realized I didn't like the book because it's about a 19-year-old girl who hates her parent for some reason, and we watch her slow decline into, into depression. And I find reading, um, I like to read for escapism, and this book isn't really meant for that at all whatsoever. No. I still don't love it, but I have a different appreciation for it than I did when I first finished it. At first, I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what is wrong with these people? And now I'm like, okay, I've... I don't hate it. It's not my favorite, but I really appreciate um, the message and uh, really the insight into the way that uh, inpatient hospitalization looked way back in the way back. So, because it doesn't, I mean, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with inpatient right now. I just do the crisis stuff, but still, it sounds very different from like the nowadays stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that was, my, that was, that was my initial thoughts. Sweet. So I initially really disliked it. I was like, ah, but I knew, so I had heard the name Sylvia Plath. I had no idea what this book was about. Yeah, and I'm reading about some teenage female in New York and the writing was really hard for me to follow. And I was like, eh. 
And then she starts getting into the depression. I'm like, all right, looking a little <laughs> spicing it up here. You hate your mama. All right. Okay. Tell me more. Oh, you daddy gone. Oh no. I'm so sorry. You know? And then it started to speed up for me. And then you get into that, her like stream of consciousness writing and how paranoid. And, you know, we see these patients in the ER, this not very logical train of thought. And it was so interesting to read that. Mm-hmm. from someone who experienced it. Um, I didn't know what a bell jar was until I read this. I did know what it was. I didn't know what it was called. <laughs> so yeah. um, mm-hmm. her relating that, um, which I can t- go into later, but initial thoughts, I didn't like it. Then I really liked it. Then I looked her up and got really sad when I realized it was an autobiography because I didn't know that first. Yeah. Yeah, I think that for me, it was very similar situation. Like I said, I read the audio. Well, I listened to the audiobook, and the way that Maggie Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal or the way that Donnie Darko's sister <laughs> read it, it was beautiful. Um, so, but I agree. Like it starts out, and I know that we can probably. I feel like everyone here. Um, we're mature enough to admit that we can relate to depressive episodes in oh, one way or yeah. another, whether you experience it like at work or whether you go through it yourself or whether, you know, you have someone in your life who's going through it. Um, so I knew, I did know what it was about. I thought it was going to be a little different than this, of course. And I think, like you said, Dilly, it's like, I didn't like it, but then and also, Heather, when you said, but you find out it's like the autobiography, basically, of what actually happened to her. And mm-hmm. she is a stream of consciousness writer. Um, that is something that she does do. And she normally didn't do such, I guess, like deep writing until one day one of her friends was kind of like, hey, write what you know. And she's like, oh, here's what I know. <laughs> and kind of thing so I agree at first I was kind of iffy on it I'm like I don't see how these girls throwing up in a bathroom is going to relate to anything that you know I witnessed later but I think you kind of have to get introduced to Esther Greenwood and you you know obviously to see her descent Mm -hmm. and I agree like I I was like man why do you hate your mom what's going on here you know this and that but uh, at the end yes very much appreciated it. I think it's something that um, I'm, I'm glad I read uh, for the sake of reading, I suppose. I do like her poetry a lot more, probably, than okay. just the book. You'll but... have to pick something for us for a book bite because, I mean, like, if this was, I probably, if this wasn't the only thing I'd read, I probably wouldn't read any more of her stuff. But if you're telling me her poetry is good, then, you know, I trust you. Yeah. Some of her poetry, and I feel like some of her poetry at the end of her life, she she did really well. Um, and not because, you know, but because she did put some emotion in that. I think she wrote the novel, mm-hmm. put some emotion in that. She was working on another novel, but, you know, no one knows what happened to that after she passed mm-hmm. away. That's my I will say, thoughts. and her, a lot of her descriptions are really good. Like, she's yeah. not that like she's a bad writer by any means. No, it just is. It's, it's just not... I'm with you. The story, sometimes you read to escape, and this is really sad. And that, and like, Mm -hmm. stream of consciousness is hard to read anyway. At least for me, I have a hard time. Like, I had to read uh, Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning for school, and that is really stream of consciousness, right? 
I, like every page I was like celebrating because it was it was over. Like I was like, I'm so close to the end. I finished a page. This is great. Now that I wasn't to that degree with this specific novel. This one, I, I could follow it better. Again, it just really, uh, I think that, and, I'll, and I wrote this in my notes. I'll probably just keep going along with it because I honestly don't remember a lot of, of my initial thoughts. I read it like a while ago. But um, I think if we if I'd read this as a teen, I would have liked it more. Um, Kind of like when we read The Only Alien on the Planet and we really liked Ginny when we were teens, but then when we read it as an adult and we were like, she's kind of a whiner. So I, I think that I kind of lost the ability to identify with Esther when I became an adult. I'm not like, not that I'm not an angsty adult. I definitely can be like that, but uh, I'm definitely not an angsty teen with just like, what do I do with my life? And I'm also wasn't born in the fucking fifties or the thirties or whatever. So that also has something to do with it too. Like I don't, I'm not living in this era where she's got. Mm-hmm. Not that we don't still have all these parameters on us on like what women should and should not do and 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 so on and so forth. You know, there was definitely just like now there are fences. Back then they were brick fucking walls. So, um, and sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I think that I was done. Uh, but on that train of thought, I really wanted to say uh, I have a quote um, that I'd like to read. It's for, from the foreword. And it says, uh, the big questions, how to sort out your life, how to work out what you want, how to deal with men and sex, how to be true to yourself, and how to figure out what that means. Those things are the same today. For contemporary readers who look back on the 50s as simply being cool, I don't know if we do think this, you know, but I guess, anyway. um, It may be difficult to see how daring Plath really was in the clutches of post-war conformity and rampant conservatism even enjoying one's own body was an incredibly risky thing to do plath had another reign to wear because she was poor everything depended on keeping her scholarship and winning prizes if she was less than perfect she could lose it all in a moment for anyone going through the college admissions process today plath's anxieties are all too familiar and i do um definitely agree with that uh in this book I definitely could see myself, like you mentioned, as a teen, really enjoying this because it is hard, you know, working with students, helping them with the college admissions process. Kids are under tremendous amount of pressure to be completely perfect when in no way should they be. And I could see a girl, like she said, coming from a poor background, you're getting notoriety, you know, you're getting up there, you're, you're trying to start your career, but at the same time you want to experience life, but you're a woman in the 50s. But, you know, and and I feel for her, like you can definitely see how, how that descent into depression can definitely happen. I mean, when you have that much pressure on a person, there's only like, you can only withstand that so much before you crack, for lack of a better phrasing. And I think that, like I said, like we were, I mean, I was poor trying and then trying to go to school and I had all this anxiety about college admissions and all that stuff. So was definitely like I definitely like I said totally feel for her and Mm -hmm. and I I can definitely relate to her it's just it's just not now I can't it's hard for me to now I used to wonder like why adults had a hard time relating to teens because I was like you used to be a teenager how hard can it be to get back to that place but like in this situation I'm like I, I 
the reason why people don't want to, like, why it's hard to relate to teens is because that was just, like, your brain was soaked in hormones, and it wasn't a pleasant time, and it's hard to, mm-hmm. you're not ever able to get back there, partially because you don't fucking want to, and the other part of it is just because it's, you can't ever, like, my brains aren't soaked in that kind of hormones anymore, most of it you got drained out. You can't mature like that. No, you can't. Yeah, it's, once you hit a certain amount of maturity, it, it's hard to relate in the other direction. Yes, yes it is. Um... I think the other reason I struggled with Esther was because she was aimless. And for the most part, I, I'm i not an aimless person. I'm pretty directed and, and I'm not, it's not that I'm driven. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I, I say I get shit done, but I'm not aimless like that. Like she was going through this, I want to be a writer. And then she was like, I want to be this other thing. Or maybe I'll do this other thing. Maybe I'll switch completely. Like college careers completely and I did that once I, I completely switched from English writing like like to psychology and that was but after that like I've, I've been like okay so I'm heading in a psych, psychology direction and I know the direction I'm going in as opposed to I'm the complete opposite I'm very much in all directions aimless <laughs> I don't like to be conformed to one path whatsoever and I think there was a a point where Esther in the in the book she writes about that where her mom says that women are um, like the mount for women to sh- or for men to shoot off their arrow from, and she's like, "No, I'm not." She's like, "I want to go in all directions at once. I want to be like fireworks on the Fourth of July." You mm-hmm. know, she's like, "I want to be everywhere. I want that mm-hmm. excitement, and I want that." And I think that's definitely something that I could relate with even now. Like, I just don't know. I feel like I could do everything. And I felt that way at 19, and I feel that way now at 28, that I can do everything, and I want to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely could relate a lot with her, even now. And I was surprised by that, but I think a, a lot of it now, even her, and, and I, just her thought process, I think, some of it I was, like, interested. And some of it I didn't like, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, when she's like, uh buddy you're a hypocrite and i'm like is he like let's i mean she just... hated a lot of people and i did not know why <laughs> yeah was... she she did she did Absolutely. everybody were playing games too though they're, they're teenagers yeah For and sure. everyone wanted her to marry someone everyone was like babies yeah. marriage she's like i don't really want that and buddy's like haha i'm dating some other female do you want in on this or no you still nope. want this like you still want this no mm, that's weird because I don't want you at all, you know, and just like waiting on her to want him back. (laughs) And then she would tell him, well, I'm engaged to so-and-so and and I don't know. So they played a lot of games. They were sure did. Oh, it was a lot. And so that was something I noticed too, was everyone had what they wanted for probably not just Esther, but females in the fifties. And Mm -hmm. she didn't fit that mold. Number one, because she didn't want to get married and didn't want kids and wanted a job that wasn't writing shorthand. And mm-hmm. another, because she had mental illness and not everyone has mental illness and they don't understand it. Her mom did not understand what she was going through. Mm-mm. When she did the first electroshock therapy and the mom said, see, I thought after you saw all those people, you'd be normal. And it's like, that's yeah. not how this works. So many times in my notes, I'm like, that's not how mental illness works. Not that her mom knew or could relate. I mean, shit, nobody really, it's, there's, there's stigma now. I can't fucking imagine the stigma that there was back then. Yeah. So, 
Sorry about the F-bomb drop, guys. It's been my favorite word this week, so apologies I'm a in advance. I mean, we're adults. <laughs> it's good. It's all good. Yeah, I, for me, um, what were we What were we just talking about? Like the way that, uh, like how nobody can relate to her and how she wants to be. Oh, yes. So I definitely, like I talked about, definitely could. I remember the way I was when I was 19. Um, it's interesting to me that she wrote it from the perspective of a 19-year-old when she was 21, when she actually tried to commit, um, you know, suicide herself for the first time. Mm-hmm. And Complete suicide. It, yes. Oh, sorry. So she can, <laughs> that, it's so that okay. she can take her own life. Um, she, you know, so that was interesting that she went back to that time but you could probably tell that not that it all started then but i'm sure a lot of it with the pressure stemmed from that moment like 19 Mm -hmm. forward you know Mm -hmm. kind of thing like maybe she could pinpoint like here's where it started to go downhill really bad and here's where i ended up um well, maybe in... that was one of those things that they changed. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Maybe that was no. another one of those things that they changed. And besides the name, they also changed the age. Yeah, and that could be a thing. That could definitely be a thing. Um, but you notice the depression starts during that thing. She didn't want to go out with people. She just wanted to stay in the bed. But she continued to go out and do things. So mm-hmm. it's not like it was full on. But that's when you start to see that mm-hmm. that, that change trend. in her personality. Oh, and yeah. then once she doesn't get into the program and once she's not around other people, whew, yeah, nosedive. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it went from what? We have her there. She's with Doreen, which is, I'm sure, was a big thing to her because Doreen's so pretty and so likable. And, she's you know, just this and Doreen fabulous, paid attention to her. fantastical creature. Yeah. And I think there was a quote and she said that Doreen made her feel like like she was more sharp than the other girls, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she was just kind of better. And she didn't want to let Doreen down. And then Doreen's like, oh, do you have to finish your work right now? Do you have to do this? Why don't you go out? And she's like, sure, going out. Yeah. But then she mentions, you know, how she loves to take warm baths and then how she just would like to stay in bed forever. You know, she doesn't want to get out of bed. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she ends up going home and what was it the neighbor she thought the neighbor could like peer through her house and see i mean she didn't actually physically think the neighbor could peer through her house but it was just very paranoid thinking Mm -hmm. like the way that she felt even just snooping on her neighbor walking through the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and so yeah you can definitely it was interesting to see that decline kind of yeah i think i think too i know we were talking about how she kind of wanted to go in every direction um, I think that she didn't also didn't know what she wanted to do because she spent so much time thinking about the end of her life and she wasn't able to focus on her present. Um, she knew she what she didn't want, which is good. And you need to know that stuff. But you also need to know where you're kind of at least a general direction so you can go after it and start making motions towards it. And I think that just to go along because this all kind of goes together and then um, but we, I don't think we take enough time as adults, or in general, just pe- in, in general, we don't take enough time to sit and think about who or what we want to be as adults. We're, we're, you know, we're asked, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? But we don't reevaluate as time goes on and ask, like, are we happy where we are? We don't really take stock of where, for the most part, in general, people don't take stock. They're just like, wake up and you either feel like you wasted your life or you're really happy with it. 
and I think that I think that we should make that more normalized of just like a, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you're 25. You good with where you are? Do you need to change direction? It's okay. I think that because we make it seem like once you pick a career, you're locked into it. You can't do anything else when that's just not the case. And I'm not saying that everybody is just like they just don't think about how they are or their happiness in life. I just think that it's not as accepted in society the way that I would like it to be. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, if you don't take stock of that stuff, then you end yeah, up... you need to reevaluate. Which I do disagree that I think we all need a direction to go in, because I don't think we do. I know that's, you know, it's only because mm-hmm. I feel like... Not that you don't need a general direction, but like you said, you don't want to stick yourself into one single direction that could lead you... You have so many multiple paths that you can take. And I think even if you just dabble in some of them and find out what's right for you, that's the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I do think that reevaluating your life at different stops is the best thing to do for mm-hmm. sure. Like, am I, like you said, am I happy now doing what I want to do? That's why I still feel like I can do anything that I want to do right now, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I have all of those opportunities. I feel like, And not everyone does have those opportunities, but maybe I'm just manic all the time, but um, I just feel like I can do anything. And I think that's a good thing to have in your life is to feel like you can do anything. Um, Oh, yeah. And you can make yourself, well, I don't want to say make yourself happy. You can't, you know, you can try to do things to make yourself happy, but, um, and to provide happiness to your life kind of aspect. And I think she tried that with like the writing and doing her summer internship and then she tried that like when she went out on dates with other boys and mm-hmm. you know and she went out with buddy and his family and she tried to fit into that norm and yeah i just don't think it was it obviously wasn't for her mm-hmm. but yeah i do think reevaluating is a good thing to do like we get stuck in this work all the time you know, like we need to work, we need to pay bills, we need to make money, we need to do this. Let's take one week off a year to go do this. And it's like, what kind of life do we live after that, you know? Right. I and do think we. I can't. You can go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I do think we. I am t- totally sorry. Adam walked in the room and I'm distracted now. <laughs> I, I, he kept I, opening the door the entire time and I was so distracted <laughs> trying to talk. I'm like, try, and he kept slowly opening it. And I'm like, please stay in. Go ahead. I will say we. I. I. I am fully aware that I am saying this from a place of privilege, totally and completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that, and I just want to put that out there that yes, I am completely and totally privileged to not be stuck in a career that I don't want if I don't want to be. You know. So, um, I guess. I. I, I guess for me, I like having a general direction. I don't like. I don't, again, I don't like being aimless. I, I don't want to be like, okay, I can go in literally any direction because too, I, too many directions for me and I start getting anxiety and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know how to like, and then that the racing thoughts start. So for me, I don't like that wide open mm-hmm. choice thing. I'm like, okay, so pick psychology. All right. I like psychology. It's very interesting to me personally. And then, uh, I was like, okay, so, like, psychology's, like, it's got this flashlight beam, I'm standing behind a flashlight, and it's all these different things that are illuminated. Now, it's not like I have a flashlight that's, like, three-directional, like, I can't, like, go, 
to the side on either side or behind me, but there's still lots of places I can go if I have this general <laughs> direction. That's, I guess, but dabbling around until you figure that out. I mean, like you said, you don't want to lock yourself in somewhere. And I, mm. I don't disagree. I think she definitely was trying to do some of that. Um, yeah. Because, like, what they were doing the um, uh, the article. And then mm-hmm. they're like, what do you want to be? And she's like, I don't know. And then JC's like, oh, she wants to do everything. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know. And she was, like, ready to cry. And we all have those moments where it's like if somebody says the wrong thing to you and you're holding yep. back the tears. Or the right thing, I guess. And it's like, are you okay? And then you're like, don't even ask that question. Like, the, the waterworks are coming. That's so number she one. Don't ask yes. me if I'm okay if I'm not okay, because I will yeah. certainly not be okay. I, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I've noticed over the years that I've become much more emotional. So if my parents just look at me a certain way, I'm like, oh, God. And they're like, why are you crying? And I'm like, you just, I'm like, it's just you know. It's your face. Like, it's your face is the problem. I'm like, just, I mean, it's <laughs> You know, I'll do things, and and it was always like, oh, how do your emotions? But I'm very, very emotional, and I appreciate my emotions. And I think that's one thing you have to come, you have to come to terms with if you are a very emotional, sensitive person, especially if you're very um, empathetic or even just sympathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, then you have to do that. But yeah, what were we just talking about? Anything and everything, dear. I will I say... I get lost in my thoughts. It's okay. I like... Thanks for taking us on the journey. I like it. No um, I think this book is... Okay, I'm going to say this last thing, and then, Heather, I'm going to make you talk, because you haven't... <laughs> I'm just chilling. I'm hanging out like you. Yeah, you're just, like, hanging out, which is totally fine. You do you, girl, but also... <laughs> this is a tri-podcast, not a duo podcast. I'm just kidding. A um, tripod. Oh, yeah, we're your tripod. Mm -hmm. Uh, This, I feel like, have you guys read The Awakening by, God, I think her name's Kate Chopin, Chopin, I can't remember her name. Mm -mm. Okay, so, I think the book, I should have done more research. I read it a long ass time ago, Um, but there's a situation where she's, the end of the, uh, I'll ruin it for you guys. Uh, we do a spoiler warning at the beginning. I don't, I mean, I don't, I didn't like the book, but I had to read it for a class uh, for that English degree that I mentioned that I didn't get. Um, <laughs> I got a minor though. Anyway, so uh, she ends up swimming out into the, into the water and dying. Like she goes far enough out that she can't come back in. So uh, I honestly, sh- yes, oh. to complete suicide. Yes. I sincerely thought that was going to happen. And I was like, oh, Celia, I see that you're trying to do these like this. Because I think The Awakening, no, The Awakening definitely came out before this book did. Because um, it was like the 1800s, I think, when when that one came out. But uh, so she does that. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. So we're going to do that. And then she doesn't. But it's also a mix of like, so I felt like this book was like The Awakening and also like Tam Lin by Pam- Pamela Dean which is part of that fairy tale series. I made you guys read Briar Rose from by Jan Yallen. Mm. There was like eight books in that series the editor put together, and one of them was Tam Lin, and she's like this girl in the 70s going to college. Now, we're not ever going to read this book, because I, unless you unless one of you picks it, I'm not going to pick it. Um, it's going to be a no for me, dog. 
Yeah, it was cute. She's she's an English major going to school in the 70s, and most of it was that. I thought it was going to be more magical realism, but that doesn't really show up until the end. And I was like, okay, cool. So I just relived my college careers only as a 70, uh, back in the 70s instead of modern era. Awesome. Good to know. They quote a lot of Shakespeare. Anyway, so I just felt like those that this book remind me a lot of both of those. Because I also think there's a lot of that um, stream of consciousness that happens, that writing. And again, the suicide and the school and the not knowing what the heck you're doing. There's some mm-hmm. of that in there, too. But anyway. So, yeah. I, I, I did like making those connections. I think this is one of those books that was good for, like, thinking and, like, literary purposes it's like interesting to talk about but miss heather other than your initial thoughts what else were you thinking about the book um i'll pull up my little notes here there's a couple of things i noticed uh i have two lines i really liked the first one's at the Mm -hmm. end of the book um oh i will talk about her metaphor of the bell jar yes so someone suffering with mental illness she said it feels like she's in a bell jar because everything around you is distorted. You're very isolated. I think even at one point after the second electroshock therapy, she said she felt like she was breathing air again, like someone had lifted the bell jar. I'm like, oh my gosh, so you're like in this cramped space, you're isolated, everything around you is not what mm-hmm. it actually is, and you feel like you can't breathe. And I thought that was a really, really beautiful metaphor mm-hmm. um, and does kind of give you a little insight at least in what her experience with mental illness was. And the quote I liked was, to the person in the bell jar, blank and stopped as a dead baby, the world itself is a bad dream. And I'm like, oof, that's really hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then my other favorite quote was in the first page, it says, it was a queer, sultry summer. And I'm like, nice. (laughs) Yeah, it was. On a daily, (laughs) I'm experiencing a queer and sultry summer currently. So, yes, queer and sultry life. Exactly, um, (laughs) queer and sultry on the daily. Thank you. Uh, Like all surrounded by all those girls. Hell yeah, I can see it. Now, granted, anyway. Oh, by the way, I was like, what the hell is a bell jar? And then I was like, oh, it's the, like, the same kind mm-hmm. of jar that, like, covers the rose in Beauty and the Beast. Gotcha. That is exactly the first thing I thought of when I read the, what it was. I was like, oh, it's like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, it's that. My friend Cynthia, she does our, she does our cover art. She was over this past weekend. And we were talking about the bell jar, and she hadn't read it, but she'd watched the movie. And she was telling me about There's it. a movie? She, yeah, mm-hmm. from the 19... 19- oh. <laughs> and so... <laughs> remember what it was i'll look that up immediately (laughs) that exact year (laughs) so she i was like she was talking about the light under like she's laying under the electroshock therapy light and she talks about how like that's a really important thing and she was calling that the bell jar and i was like i don't think that's what that is let me show you and so i walk her over to my like live life-sized beauty and the beast and i'm like you see that glass that's a bell jar and she's like oh but that light was really really important to her and i was like there might be some other i didn't say this but i was definitely thinking it there might be some other like metaphorical stuff involved there as far as like her being shown the light after being in the darkness of depression or it could be a plethora of other things or mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. anyway so yes sorry heather continue um i'll also say 
my brain just doesn't work the way most people's does. And there was at one point she says um, she hadn't showered in a while, which is a pretty classic sign of like depression, things like that. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, why would I wash today when I'll just have to wash again tomorrow? And I'm like, (laughs) that is a, that's a forward thinking female. Mm-hmm. Why would I wash today if I'm just going to have to wash tomorrow? And I'm like, Heather, this is serious. Get it together. <laughs> so I had yeah. a really fun time with the book, believe it or not. <laughs> Let's see. And then I also want to say the name T-O-M-O-L-I-L-L-O. It's a lady that she meets when she's in one of the asylums. It's a French lady. I can't say the okay. name. Yes. That's the same name as the individual, at least her recollection, of the woman who was giving birth to a baby. I went and looked it up because I was like, that's a really unique name. Like, you don't see that very often. And it says it in both places. And I thought that was really strange because the baby thing happened well before she ever met this female. Um, But then again. interesting. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's something with mental illness or maybe there's a metaphor there or maybe they legitimately had the same name i don't know maybe or it could have been like I, some names that are popular now were not popular on the way back way back and some names you know vice versa like but i thought I that was strange you're probably never gonna meet a, at least right now a 20 year old gladys that's <laughs> fair enough but so. it was a last name hmm. her name was miss tom maybe that's supposed to show us like i don't know maybe she developed like to the like she was seeing came back, like she just person, or yeah, I'm not like she could, she couldn't have hallucinations. And, yeah, I was but in a book where you're, it's like that. And yeah, in a book when you are changing names and you have that liberty, why would you pick the same name? Unless it's important. Yeah, that's a good. Right. So I just don't get it. <laughs> or maybe it was the same lady. <laughs> it was the same name, and they're like, "Well, if her name's Anne and her name's Anne, let's change it, but let's give them both the same name." I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was an odd, it was an odd finding. And the whole book just made me uncomfortable. Not uncomfortable, but in reading it, I felt disjunct. Definitely. Definitely. I think um, one good thing to go along with one of the quotes you had about the bell jar, and I can't find it now. I just had it pulled up here, but anyway, and it was talking about how no matter where she was at, that bell jar was going to be there. So she could Mm -hmm. travel to Europe and she could try to have a good time and she could go here and she could go there, but she's still going to be sitting in that bell jar with the same sour air around her and like you said when she when she had that um therapy that treatment and she came out and she said it was lifted and she could breathe that air again that was really nice because i mean this woman even when she was getting transferred to the better uh, mental health facility she's she's like yeah she's like uh i could just jump out right now and jump into the river she's like you know i could just do it right now and then later she contemplates that and she's like i know i wouldn't i wouldn't have done it i wouldn't have went through it but those are such impulsive thoughts right there like i could just do this and she said her mom and her brother kind of positioned themselves in a way to where she couldn't just you know jump out but it's interesting to me because that is the definite thought process of mental illness it's like right now i could do like you know people have those thoughts of like well i could swerve into traffic right now I could go uh, intrusive thoughts. Right now. Yes, very yeah. intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thinking is like part of probably not my daily, but it's very um, prominent, and it, it takes time to come to terms with. 
but I think everyone experiences it in some way or another, even mm-hmm. like people with OCD who have those intrusive thoughts to do the thing mm-hmm. that, you know, gives, makes them feel relief from the illness. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting. And then another thing, cause we were talking about how she talked about having like, you know, she didn't have direction. Um, she actually did have a quote that I forgot about where she was talking about how she couldn't complete anything. And it made her really sad to think about. She's like, she couldn't be like Doreen. And she said she didn't know why she couldn't complete anything because other people could do it. And she's like, how am I supposed to live like this? And I think I completely forgot about that because, you know, that is such a, that was at the beginning, you know, when Mm -hmm. she was hanging out with Noreen, Noreen, Doreen, Doreen. Yes. So I thought that was interesting. I had a bunch of quotes I wanted to talk about, and I had them pulled up, and then I lost them, but that's okay. (laughs) I will say this about that is uh, both of those things that you said, Sarah, a lot of people are under the impression that all suicide is planned. That's just simply not true. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it is like an intrusive thought, and the impulse control is just not there, and so it happens. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, with the I can't complete anything, it's so hard Speaking from experience at this point, uh, as someone like who has dealt with depression, when you're in a situation like in the middle or the beginning of a depressive episode, at least for me, I'm like, okay, this is not good. I'm, I know I'm gonna, I'm, I'm falling in that way. So I gotta do something and joke myself out of it is when I am having a hard time focusing long enough to do a project. And it's not that I'm like, I have so much energy. I have to go do all these other things. It's not that it's that I am just I I will start it and I will lose interest and I can't make myself stay with it. I do that with books a lot of like, mm-hmm. I won't, I will have a hard time finishing a novel or starting, I'll start it and I can't get past the first couple pages. And so I'll jump to something else, um, which is so mm-hmm. very like, I felt like some of that stuff was very true for, for her. I did like the, how, real the mental illness was portrayed in this book i mean obviously because it's part like an autobiography situation it's a good the whole thing is just a really good description of how depression will eat at you as a person your ambitions your life it's just they yeah it just was spot on for that so i super was like yeah if you ever want to know what that is like this is a good book for it because you Mm -hmm. And if you don't, like, okay, so I obviously wasn't in a depressive episode when I read it because I was just like, what's wrong with her? And and I deal with this, and I, 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 not just personally, but, like, with other people on a daily basis. And so, like, I have to, it's, it, it, imagine if I couldn't get into her mindset and I also have dealt with that shit, I can't imagine, like, her being her or the other people around her or, or not having any experience with mental health whatsoever. Not, not just that you don't have it, but that you mm-hmm. don't know anybody that has it, which I find hard to believe, but that you don't know anybody that has it, like how to get inside her head and to understand where she's coming from. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. her living in a bell jar, isolated, alone with like nobody that understands her. I can see how you can get to that point of, well, it'd just be better if I wasn't here. But I also think that it's important to remember that uh she was loved her mom loved her and you know she had friends it's hard to remember that stuff of course but you know 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. So, anyway. Absolutely. I think uh, um, that's another thing is you were talking about how suicide's, like, very impulsive uh, at the moment. It can and be. That's why yeah. a lot of people don't leave suicide notes. You know, or people are like, oh, they were really happy yesterday. It's like, you know, they They were happy because they made the decision to do this. That happens too. Right. Yeah. Once they make it, they're just at peace and they're like, sweet. Chilling. No, it's going to, you know. And so it's very, yeah. And it got me when, I think Heather, you mentioned it, like her mom had said like, oh, you're okay now. Cause she's like, I don't want to go back to that doctor after her first like bad electroshock treatment. She's like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to him. And she's like, oh. I knew my baby wasn't that way. I knew you weren't that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, that's not it. Yeah. You know, not at all. And the fact that she did live through the 50s and have electro- electroshock therapy, I mean, that one, that's wild to me. I mean, yeah. it's very, really, and, and to be, not that everyone who doesn't have mental illness um, isn't, like, brilliant in their own way or anyone isn't brilliant in their own way, but to be that intelligent, I suppose, and then recognizing like something is so wrong. I don't know. You know, it's it's so hard to imagine. Yeah. That. I mean, yeah. for the most part, I think that that there's like I don't know if there's cause if there's like causation, but I'm pretty sure there's at least correlation between like having high IQ and having mental illness because you're I think it comes from the isolation. Like if you are she's very very smart girl and was surrounded by girls that were smart. Yeah, but like Doreen was like well, don't do your work. And the other girls were like, I'm going to go out and party and I'm going to go to this dinner and I'm going to do this. And she just wanted to read, you know, read and do her work and, and so on and so forth. And so like, she's living in this place of this elevated status of intelligence where she does not exist on the same plane as everybody else Mm -hmm. does, you know? So I just like, I get it. Totally get it. For sure. I think that's, uh, one of the things that I resonated with too is the fact that, you know, how many people out there are just very alone like that in their, in their own thinking and feel that they have no place to turn, you know, how many people that it's like, Oh, just go out and do this and you'll feel better. And it's like, no, I won't like watching Doreen make out with that weird DJ guy is not going to make her feel better. Almost mm-hmm. getting raped by that Marco guy is not going to make her feel better. Fuck that Marco guy. Oh I my know, right? God. Like that was a I big was thing. I was so mad about him. He was Ugh. like, cause she, he hated women. And I was like, listen, you hate women so much. Go fuck men. Consensually. Uh, or a robot. I don't know. But like, you know, if you're that, I, I just, that, that blows yeah, my mind. I hate person. this. Just fuck that guy. Horrible. And I'm sure that definitely did not um, help her case whatsoever. It is very reminiscent of like 13 Reasons Why, though. The book, not the TV show. Yes, the book. Mm -hmm. I didn't finish the TV show. Finish the TV show. I probably shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't watch season two. So I, could, I couldn't get into it. It started getting more and more convoluted in a way that I was like, yeah. yeah. I knew at the end of season one, it was starting to get a little goofy. And I was like, well, it was I'm not the way, like, it was not true to the book. Season, right. season one wasn't, but um, yeah. But yeah, and what there was a point where, you know, Buddy, and she keeps calling him a hypocrite, but she can't get along with him either because he's like, ah, oh, Esther, you know what a poem is? A poem is just dust. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, what a. Mm. she's yeah. like really yes. he's like what about 
all these dead people you deal with on a daily she's like they're just dust my poems will last longer than a lot of them and i'm like girl you're not you're not wrong like look at your your poetry is historic now like it's classic you can't i mean and i don't want to think that dying does that but to a lot of authors you know their death obviously generates such um Mm-hmm. interest in their work and I think for Sylvia Plath the fact that she didn't go through this she wrote this book people tried not to get it published I mean she tried to get it published and they were like Sylvia Plath did not write this you know the women who got her work I think they looked at it they started reading it and they were like no <laughs> they were like no 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 like this shouldn't no and so they gave it back to her and they're like do something different bring it back to give us the finished copy they thought she had just had a draft and she's like that's the finished copy <laughs> like that's it that's that's it that's that's what it and i think that people weren't ready for that Mm-mm. then um i mean not that it was a masterpiece by any means but i think back in the 50s God, that's wild to like have somebody Super like fucking scandalous it was yeah yeah and she was only 30 and i mean she tried at least two suicide attempts and she she makes reference in one of her poems to a, a suicide attempt that it wasn't a, it wasn't an attempt but it was something that happened when she was 10 and it was like an accident where she could have basically almost died so she says like in her poetry like every every uh every one in 10 she gets the urge to like want to take her life kind of thing and okay so that was you know so she's like she's tried it three times and she she says dying is something that she can do exceptionally well uh, but there was a really good quote too i don't mean to keep talking guys but i felt like since yeah. i picked it if i didn't have a lot of background on this then i would be like oops because i'm ill prepared <laughs> for a lot of things um but she talks about about going through hell basically here because some people don't believe in it in the afterlife so this is the hell that Mm. we experience before we die you know Mm. um that's fucked up sylvia (laughs) yeah and i definitely think that that was really interesting because she didn't believe or it didn't seem like she was very religious um so yeah religion is a very powerful preventative or deterrent for a lot of people a yeah. lot of people i talk to on the daily in general it's like don't want to kill myself like, because I, i'm having these thoughts and i i just i can't do it because like I'm, I'm gonna go to hell i can't tell you how many times i've heard that which you know i'm not a big religious person but it's definitely out there saving lives i'll give it that much it's also killing people too but that's besides the point yeah, <laughs> We're not going to get into that. documentaries out there. But, yes. uh, Gosh, guys. I had it right here. I'm sorry. But that's basically the quote. People are going to listen to this and be like, that girl doesn't know anything. No, they're not. uh, We've added the hashtags, what? Hashtag not a professional. Hashtag (laughs) indie podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is independent. We are uh, taking time out of our precious time out of our day. You know, we were doing this just for us. We decided to share it with y'all. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You're fucking welcome. (laughs) So this one's obviously a lot more heavy, I feel, than the others. Sorry. I didn't mean for it to be. Like, I thought it was going to be much more. I don't know. Like, I didn't realize it was an actual account until I started researching more. And I'm like, whoa, girl. Hey, we don't advertise as a comedy podcast. If the laughs happen, they happen. I will say this real quick. Okay. 
was Joan a lesbian? I think it was hinted at. I think yeah, she was. Yes. I think that was one thing. She at least, yeah, at least by. She's like, Gay. I like you, Esther. You know, I like you. And then Esther's like, I don't like you. She also spent her <laughs> saw her spending a lot of time with that other person. Yeah. There was at one point she was going her. down on that other person. Was she? I got it's been weeks. I haven't read the book in a minute. It's like a loose it's like, meantime. It is yeah, I do remember Esther like, walks into the room. It. And yeah, Esther walks into the room and they're together and uh, Joan raises her head from under the sheet and says oh, okay. and they laugh. Oh. Okay. 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 So anyway, um, so I can kind of <laughs> see why she actually end up, ended up uh, completing suicide. Not, okay. Oh, like she's a Heather. Did you, <laughs> did you know what you said? Oh, no, my foot's really far in my mouth. Let me, let me explain. Okay, the, the rate no, of suicide for, for teens that are gay is higher. <laughs> okay. And that's today. Not That's, including 1950. Not that is even back then, today. when, sh- shit, I'm surprised they weren't burning people at the stake for that. So, they're like, well, it's the 50s. We're a little bit more involved than the 1600s, 1700s, whenever that happened. Mm-hmm. 1600s. Um, all that to be said, real quick, because I feel like this wouldn't be, first of all, I wouldn't be involved uh, in this discussion if I didn't say this. I'd be like, oh man, Dilly, that must not have been Dilia. It's her doppelganger or something. Uh, if you are having any issues with this stuff, okay, that's okay. If you need help figuring it out, if you need help just in general, you want to talk about it, you you don't have to be alone. I know we talk a lot about how you are alone, but you do not have to be alone. There are people out there that understand what you're going through and they're ready to talk to you about it. Specifically, there's the Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's one 800 2738255 and if you don't want to talk to people cuz you have anxiety and i get that you can also text home h o m e to 741741 and if you're one of those high risk teens we were talking about um you exist in the lgbtqia+ community uh there's the Trevor project which is specifically geared towards teens that live in that population of people so you can call them at 1-866-488-7386 the website also has options you just google trevor project like t-r-e-v-o-r project and they have chat options or you can text start s-t-a-r-t to 678-678 um, and that's all the, ref- the the resources I have for you guys. But, you know, Google is mm-hmm. very helpful. If you need any help mm-hmm. about any of that stuff, um, there's help out there. Okay? You don't have to be alone. That was so sweet. When I'm over here and Sarah was talking about not being able to, she wasn't able to complete things. And my first thought was, well, she completed one thing. <laughs> and I was like, you cannot say that. And then Julia's <laughs> yeah. like, here's the suicide prevention hotline because I'm an actual good human. <laughs> No, it's just it's not it's not a bad thing. I mean it's, I'm not gonna uh, lie. She didn't do she didn't complete that either though, Heather, because she's still alive. So she completed living. She's still alive. That's good. Who Esther? In the book? Esther. Yeah. In the book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yes, Esther. Esther, as far as Esther, I know, she's, Esther she's, alive. 
Yeah, Esther is alive. <laughs> to our knowledge. There's also <laughs> speculation about if Sylvia Plath really meant to commit like well i'm sorry yeah i read that too you know do that um but i mean i feel like at this point it's It's i feel like you know so many attempts like that um is something that she clearly wanted for herself not that she wanted it but you know people go back and forth too it's like when you're at the bottom of a depression depressive episode you want to and then when you're not you're completely fine you know Mm -hmm. like there's a reason why when we do risk of harm assessments with clients, we only have to worry about, I mean, I'm going to worry. We worry beyond that, but the goal is how can I keep you alive for the next 24 hours when we do a follow-up with you? And Mm -hmm. so uh, most people, you know, can do outpatient and it's fine. You know, they do phone follow-ups or they stay with a person and they watch them and make sure that they're okay. Um, Not a stranger, somebody they know. Um, But sometimes it's not like that. It needs a little bit more intensive work. So we're in here talking about my job. So, are we any final thoughts before we move on to casting? Recommend, not recommend? Where are we at? Where do we fall? I give it like a 6.5 out of 10, maybe. Okay. Maybe 7. I don't know. Depending, um, I think that if you're going into it for a story, like you said, to escape, don't do that. Uh, if you want to read something that is more focused on the mental illness aspect and maybe somebody, because there were parts where even I was like, I've done that before. I've done that before. And mm-hmm. I think that's one reason why I can't just dismiss anything that she did, even though she was just like 19, because I'm like, I've done that before. Still mm-hmm. do that. Probably, you know. Right. Um, like, I think I even told Adam at one point, I looked at my wrist before and I'm like, I can't cut this. I'm like, this is too white and pretty. And I'm like, my skin and I'm like I can't do that you know and so see hearing reading that somebody else thought that same thing I'm like whoa I'm not crazy you know and I do have yeah exactly there's so many moments where the way that she was thinking it was really and I guess because it was such stream of consciousness and it blows me away though that you know like we talked about everyone has i think at some point intrusive thoughts you have something you know about someone with mental illness can't tell me that you don't if you you know somebody um and if you don't know anybody you're probably just like yeah you may not know that they do but you know someone who does (laughs) absolutely and so it's kind of like those people who tell you they don't have an inner monologue in their head and you're like how do you live how do you not have something in here all the time it's just not it's just not conscious to you yes it's it's like, um, you know, your own voice, like something in your head, not, a vo- you know what I'm saying? Not hearing voices, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. I got you. So I think overall, um, I could definitely see like teens reading it, but I don't know. Like, I'm glad I read it more maturely as an adult versus maybe young teen me reading it who hadn't quite been through a lot of the things that I've been through today. So mm-hmm. I think that is one benefit, which might not benefit everyone, but it was a benefit to me. Um, but other than that, though, I mean, yeah, there's some parts I didn't like. Like I said, when she goes back and forth on the sex, like she seemed like she called Buddy a hypocrite because he'd had sex before and he was pretending to be like this all good person, you know, like he was a yeah. golden boy, wanted to save himself for marriage. And I'm kind of like but you're also equally very interested in sex you talk about sex a lot you kind of have your prospects out there for who you want to have sex with and i get that she's like 19 years old whatever right 
but um, there are some parts where I'm like, hmm, probably. I mean, I still don't get some things about it, but overall, the message, sure. That's what I'm going to say. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Depending on the person, you recommend. <laughs> reader reader <Yeah>. discretion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Heather? I'll say I recommend it, at least for the sake of reading what someone who deals with mental illness deals with. Uh, I found it very, I hate to say the word entertaining because I never want to be entertained at someone else's uh, expense. Crisis. Yes. Kind of uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was. Talk about eye-opening. The, the paranoia, the distortion of everything around her. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of the descriptions and I think it's definitely worth a read. I, I feel like I, I gave my recommendation and my initial thoughts too, just like, I think it's, it was interesting to read from a, if you work with mental health, I definitely think that you need to read it so you can at least get, if you work with mental health and you don't know anything about it, as far as like, you've never dealt with it yourself, I think it's something, it's definitely worth a read. Um, If for no other reason than you get this information out of it, it's just like you, you get a different perspective that you wouldn't normally have. Um, and there's, it's different when you're reading it from the perspective of somebody who's actually going through it as opposed to like talking to someone who's going through it. I think it's, yeah, I, I, this is not one of those books I would have read by myself. I won't say I'm glad I read it, but I am in, I appreciated that I read it. So thank you, Sarah, for making me read this horribly depressing novel. Oh, they all are. Listen, um, it's kind of a funny story. That's one I'm going to probably pick at some point. It's definitely about it. The bell jar. I picked, um, what was All the fucking bright places. All the bright places. We're going to confiscate your... We we need to, like, have a veto. No, I'm just kidding. Now, listen, I have... I mean, seriously, there are so... I don't mean to. I just look up, like, good books and then... Um, but this one, you know, it's a classic. Like, I felt like yeah. we all, I'm a very classic person. I feel like you should get to know the classics. So when mm-hmm. I got it, I'm like, oh, it's a classic. Of course, you know, I've never read it before. So I don't think I've made us read classic novels, but you know. both have made me read classic novels. So. There you go. Mm. Granted, I think like, mm, yeah, that's true. You like, Sarah, you made us read The Bell Jar and then Brave New World. And Heather, you made us read The uh, Handmaid's Tale. Ooh. So, mm-hmm. it's my turn next, and I already picked my classic. So, Excellent. not like for the next book. That I don't know whose book turn it is next, but okay, we got to do the cast. But my computer's gonna die, so somebody hum the Jeopardy theme, and I'll be back. Not really. I'm actually. I'm just gonna pause. <laughs> Who do we want to start with? Um. Which I, I know it doesn't matter. Whoever wants to go first. I don't care. Oh yeah. wait. I guess we start with Esther, right? Since she's just the main character. Sure. Need to figure out my. I like it. It's kind of like a build up. I think I put her all the way at the bottom. I put all my main characters at the bottom of my slideshow. That's all right. Mm-hmm. So if you want to start at the bottom, you can. I don't know if you're following along with my slideshow. Mine. I will tap between your slideshow and mine. So if the uh, average listener listens to this and they just. Uh, Hear me tapping. That's what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Background stuff. Okay. We ready? I'm ready, Freddy. 
Sarah, it was your pick, so I'm going to make you go first. Okay, so... Oh, look, I can do two at ah. once. Oh, yeah. Jealous. Yeah. Okay. She's so I chose Anya Taylor Joy from The Queen's Gambit. Listen. We love her. She's so great. I haven't casted her yet because I'm waiting, but yes. Oh, you need to. This, like I said, when I started this, um, when I started the audiobook, she was the first person that popped in my mind. And then mm-hmm. I remembered her in The Queen's Gambit and I thought she could pull off like that look you know like she could definitely do that so uh yeah she's saving him too my my bank esther and i really enjoy her i'm gonna cast everybody for Uh, now that's anyway so heather yes who's your esther um my esther is annie murphy she plays Alexis in Schitt's Creek. Oh! Nice. She actually is getting ready to play in another show called, is it Kevin Can F Himself? And it's when she's around her husband. It's like a comedy, like a sitcom. And when she's away from him, it's like a drama and she imagines why she wants to kill him. It's really interesting. Okay. Watch that. Yeah. It's on AMC and I've only seen the trailer. But so I was like, all right, I could get behind this. Okay. I picked uh, Amanda Sten- Stenberg, who was Rue in The Hunger Games, and she's oh. also in Everything Everything. Yes. Oh, Rue beautiful grew up. Oh, she's so beautiful. She, she grew is. Up. <laughs> Yikes. Grew up. Jesus Christ, Heather. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hate myself. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. That was was mental illness, man. It's a thing. (laughs) You just like, it just makes you punnier. That's right. Listen. For most people, they just want to punch me in the face. (laughs) Oh. And I'm like, joke's on you. I like punishment only. Oh. Oh. You gotta stop. You keep keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Don't stop. (laughs) That's exactly what I say. Hey, oh. <laughs> what she said. Uh, oh, right. She literally said that, yeah. She did. But oh, she boy. didn't say that to you. Ooh. Oh. That's oh. my go to when all the guys are like, oh, that's what she said. And I'm like, she didn't say that to you. Hey. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's solid. Good. I'm into that. I like that one. Right? I'm like, that's what it is. That's what your mom said. I still mm. go to mom a lot. Listen, it never gets old. But your mom does. Hey, thank oh, you. I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, I love Mary so man. much. Oh well, God, she's one of my favorite people. I'm telling you, little mama. She's fantastic. Oh no, it's, it's so funny. It tickles me. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay, I like it though. Beautiful choices, everyone. Yeah, I like I it. I concur. Who's next? Who, who are we doing next? I, um, let's see. Let's go with Esther's mom. And I chose the mom from uh, The Queen's Gambit, which is Mariel Heller. <laughs> and I thought that was a good choice. They acted very well together. I thought they had some chemistry going. Um, and I could see, I could see her loving to hate her mom. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I like the, I like the I like the mom in that one. Wait, the mom, her biological mother, or the adoptive mother. I'm sorry. Oh, the adoptive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is it my turn? 
It is. Yeah, so my mom is Catherine O'Hara. Um, she's the mom in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> I, I love Moira. <laughs> Moira. Yes, Moira. Oh, That's a, oh she is the I best. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. She's a hot mess express, and I'm into it. It is very, uh, she's also the mom in Penelope when she's like, after she breaks the curse, she's like, you could just get like a little work done. Just, just, just a little bit. And, and like, and then he curses, like she gets cursed with like not speaking. So I can totally see her just being like, I'm glad you're not like that. (laughs) Yeah. No, she's kind of a terrible mother in, uh, Shit's Creek. Like home alone. Oh my God. She left Kevin. (laughs) Look at that. They left Kevin. You can't tell me. She's I think her him. name's Delia in Beetlejuice, too. Mm. Oh, I think you're right. I just bought that movie on DVD because I wanted it. It's a good I'll have to watch it. I picked Shannon Kane. She's in the originals. She plays Sabine, and I kind of just mm. love her. Ooh. Yeah, she's pretty. I'm into it. I could yeah. see them being, like, you know, a good mother-daughter casting. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, for next, um, who you guys want to go with? <laughs> buddy. I chose oh, buddy. Matthew oh, Dennis Lewis, who played in the Queen's Gambit as well. Uh-huh. Um, he played, like, one of the two dudes um, that hung around her, like, you know, when she first came in for the chess oh, the tournament. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. There he is. Okay. So I chose either one of the twins. You could pick him or his brother. Yeah, I just chose him. I found I like found a picture and I'm like, let's put him in there. Nice. I mean, but yeah. So I like that. I feel like you could just put like a white coat on him with a little stethoscope, and you know he could get TB and go lay in a hospital. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's a nice person. Yeah, blonde hair, blue eyes. He's a good buddy. Yeah. There you go. Um. My buddy is um. Last name I'm not going to pronounce correctly. It's fine. Um, Tim Rosen. Rosen. Uh, he plays Mutt in Shit's Creek. Oh my god! I knew you were going to do it. Oh, but you have. It. He has to have the beard. There is an episode okay. where he's beardless. He's got to have the beard. Mm. Oh no, no, no! Opposite, opposite. He's got to not have the beard. But he's like a little sweet baby face, right? Yeah, so baby face. Okay, okay. I think he's more attractive with the beard. But yeah, yeah. Sans say. beard is what I need for Buddy. Okay. I picked Jesse Rath, who is in No Tomorrow as Timothy Finger. When I think of Timothy Finger, I'm like, okay, buddy, makes sense. Early, early Timothy Finger, not like later in the season. The only season before they get canceled. Oh, so sad. And he's also Brainiac on Supergirl. Nice. He's kind of like, okay. yeah. Anybody who knows anything about No Tomorrow, you're like, yeah, that's that's buddy. 110%. I like it. I like it. Absolutely. Um, oh, I cast Doreen as Dove Cameron um, just because I thought she's very pretty and I feel like she could do like a very airy Doreen. Like, you know what I'm saying? She's just kind of I like Dove Cameron. There. I really thought Doreen was going to play a bigger part in the whole thing um, mm-hmm. until she didn't, obviously. <laughs> and then it didn't happen. But yeah. I chose her. I thought she was, you know, just classic. Like she had the blonde hair, and then the enduring what has like that white blonde hair and good mm-hmm. looks. So I thought, you know, Doreen. Okay. Hey, Gia. Um, my Doreen is Willow Smith. 
nice. who I may or may not have casted before. Um, but I feel like there's a couple times in the book, it says she has blue eyes and blonde hair, but there's a couple times in the po- book that she talks about her skin being dark, or maybe she said her breasts look like these dark melons. So I ended up getting a different image of Doreen in my head, and I kind of mm-hmm. stopped thinking of her as a white woman and started thinking of her as like, Oh no, I do I just was like I feel like if we were gonna cast people the way that they looked in books, which I have done pretty consistently in our past podcasts and I'm trying to get out of that, we wouldn't cast any people of color because for the most part, like that's just not what's typically written or shown. Mm-hmm. So I said fuck it. And I know probably people are like, Well, you have you're making a conscious effort. Like, yes, because if I thought about the books and movies and T V shows and actors from those, they would all be white because Hollywood's so fucking whitewashed. So c- don't mm-hmm. at me. <laughs> like, don't at me. Okay. Or do at me. What? I'm here to fight. Mm. No, I don't have time for that. You can at me. I will ignore you. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I know. That's me. Like, you want to start a fight in my old age. I no. have. Well, bet, you are not a goal of mine. Okay. Appreciate y'all. Okay. My Doreen is uh, Alexandra Ship. She is Monroe slash Storm uh, in the new stuff. And <gasps> Abby. In Love, Simon, and in All the Bright Places. In All the Bright Places. I still have to watch that that just for you, Sarah. Just for you. Thank you. Oh, my God, yes. Listen, the whole time that Esther was out there in the water, and she's like, I'm going to swim down, I'm like. Oh, fuck, I didn't even make that connection. Finch? I was like, little buddy. It's okay. I thought of Virginia Woolf. Oh, my gosh, yes. I'm surprised that she didn't, like, that well obviously this is this was Celia Platt's novel whatever but I thought it was a cool connection too because I automatically thought she's going to put rocks in her and go out into there like that was my first thought like she's going to do the Virginia Woolf mm-hmm. uh, she can. yeah it's not a move it's a now do the Virginia Woolf oh god sorry that was not <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta stop <laughs> keep going we're not thinking okay we're laughing because it's uncomfortable yeah, we're yeah, coping, that's it. We're coping it, with with yeah. Doctor. That's this yeah, yeah dark yeah, humor, actually, man. CBT why. uses humor as cognitive behavioral therapy uses humor. Listen, okay. I'm big oh. into humor for therapy for sure. I'll laugh at anything. Laughter well, is sometimes the best medicine. Sometimes that's right. Okay. Okay. Who is next on the list? Uh, let's see. JC. I did Emma Thompson. Um, yeah, I just chose someone who I thought looked like they could work as an editor <laughs> i love emma she's, oh she's great uh, she's fantastic she is so great agree i forgot to cast her she's the one that i forgot to cast so we're gonna go with anne hathaway Ooh. okay okay anne hathaway. I'm, you know I'm thinking, yeah i'm thinking devil wears prada but she grows up yeah, she becomes the Meryl Streep. Just gonna say, oh that. yeah, Meryl. I thought of Meryl specifically in the Devil, the Devil Wears Prada because of so her. Miranda Priestly. Just yeah, her. that's it. Just yeah. her. Okay, I I did Carrie Washington. I don't know if any of you guys, if you've seen Scandal, but like I could totally see her just kind of, kind of no, sort of. I know who she is. Ripping, she's very, yeah. uh, what's her face to shreds just oh, a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Esther when she's like. I don't know what I want to do. And she's just like, oh, you want to, like, I just, I just could see it. Mm-hmm. I, I want her as Olivia Pope, only her name should be JC in this. <laughs> okay, Maybe. I dig it. And I'm casting. Who's next, Sarah? Um, next on my list, I'm terrible at this, guy. sorry. 
Uh, I chose the immigrant. Um, I guess you could go both ways with this. If you did Marco and not the immigrant, or if you did the immigrant, not Marco, whatever. I chose Jacob Fortune Lloyd, who plays in the Queen's Gambit. And he's the dude who she's like casually flirtatious with, but then it turns out he's got like a boyfriend. You know what he I'm talking about? Like the looks older, like like. Mm. Oh, you're yeah. in something other than that. I'm gonna look at him. Okay. Uh. No, you are not who I thought you were. Just kidding. That was a good pick, though. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. I thought he was great. I loved him in that movie. God, I love sound language. It's the best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's mm -hmm. saying I farted really bad and the bathroom's a mess. <laughs> I have diarrhea. Will you help me clean it up? And Heather's like, uh, honey, after I get done with this podcast. And she's like, don't tell your friends. Oh, me and Paris. Heather's like, pooping everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, she just got home. She's been at the pool. Where she pooped in the pool. Oh, yeah. Listen, we were touring this apartment. And they were showing us all the amenities, and then we got to the pool, and it's beautiful. And there is a duck pooping in the pool. <laughs> it was so funny. And she's like, "Ignore that. That's gonna get cleaned. Ignore that." And I'm like, "It's okay." She's like, "I'm gonna clean it right now." And just snoops in. She's <laughs> she was so nice and pleasant, and she's just like, "Hmm." She's like, "It just." And I said, "Yep." And she's like, "Mm-hmm." And I was like, "Okay." See, that's when you should have done the ultimate power move. Be like, "No, no, no! I don't want the duck to feel bad." And then you pull down your pants and you poop in the pool. With it. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my goodness, guys. Oh, oh man. Hold on one second. Uh, Heather, it's your turn. Uh, you either did the Marco or maybe you did both Marco or the immigrant. Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The immigrant. Um, you know, I went real, real goofy on this one. And mm -hmm. I decided to do David Levy, who <laughs> is the son from Shit's Creek. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I freaking love him. He is my favorite. Like, I didn't know how much I needed a David in my life. Did you know that, obviously, David's dad in the show is his actual dad. Yeah. yeah, and Twyla is their sister, like the daughter. Yes, oh, I didn't know did. that. I, I didn't that know Twyla. I knew the Damn. other two. Yes, I found that out, and I thought, how funny would it have been if she had been, you know, cast? But I think they did a really good job with who plays his sister, though, Yeah, you know, in the show. So, anyway, go ahead. Um, I did not do the immigrant. I forgot. I did Marco <laughs> instead, and his name in real life. He was very handsome. Be, yeah, Nathaniel Buzalik. I probably did not say his name right, but he plays Cole Michelson in the original Slash the Vampire Diaries. Yeah, that's mm. nice. He's an Australian actor, I think. Okay, I dig it. I like it. I he plays like he as Cole. He's kind of a jackass like a murderous jackass so i was like yeah i could oh. see you being margo yeah oh yeah <laughs> like he sleeps with his cousin but whatever he's like i just want to be with my cousin uh, oh yeah I forgot about that. she's a nun <laughs> i'm pretty sure did he say she was a nun yeah that was his yeah, issue so. with it it's like oh i can't sleep with he's her. like she's you a nun. women i'm like okay mm, my guy you some problems yourself buddy maybe um, uh consent we need more we need more mm -hmm. lessons on this Mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. um for the next person i chose the male doctor that i forget his name so i just called him dr. A male gordon. doctor 
Oh, yes, okay. and I chose Guy Dr. Pierce. Dick Biscuit? Sure. Oh, yeah. Dick Biscuit. <laughs> the one who literally just was, should not have been a therapist. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. where'd you go to college again? Ah, oh, I remember those days. I said what I said. <laughs> Dr. Disbi- Dick Biscuit. Dick Biscuit. Mm. Sounds unappetizing. I like it. Yeah. Uh, my Dr. Scrumptious. Gordon was Eugene Levy, who is the dad. Oh, you know yeah, what I though know. i can see him there it's not like oh the craziest neither one of those because um yeah there. what's his name having a boyfriend and david levy and then you've got this guy and he's like an mm-hmm. older gentleman eugene levy it's all coming together it wasn't the craziest absolutely ever no it wasn't. no i like it thank you thank you jillian okay Oh, yeah, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. I didn't cast him, so continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Screw that guy. Next. Okay. Um, so, so for the... Uh, oh, you know what? No. Dr. Cox, whatever his name is from Scrubs. Oh, Down my gosh. Down. Perry Cox. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I can't okay. remember his name. Run Me off, either. But my bad. I know exactly who you're talking about, and that is perfect. I love it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I chose the female doctor as Kate Dr. Siegel. Ooh. I don't know if I said... I love her. Is she Theodora or no? Yes, she okay. is Theodora, and I could just see her being very... Well, she was a child's therapist, wasn't she? Like, she did child therapy in the um, Hill House, and I thought that she could really, you know, do a good job. Mm-hmm. She seems like somebody I'd want to talk to, mainly because she's really beautiful, and she seems to have a great personality, but whatever. I love her. I love her. her. She's a really great actress. Um, I did... Dr. Nolan... Is the female doctor's name? Yes. Um, and I did mm-hmm. Anna Paquin, who is Rogue on the original X Men trilogy. <gasps> yeah. Yes. We also just watched her in, uh, ooh, what's it called? Something about bees. Say it to the bees. Say it to the bees. I recommend that movie highly. It's very good. She's a doctor in that actually. Okay. And it also takes place in the fifties. <laughs> so it all came together. Nice. As, I like it. I went with uh, Jamie Ray Newman, who is Sarah Lieberman in uh, The Punisher, and she's Rebecca Hamilton in Bates Motel. Oh my gosh! And I'm she's sure. a- Amy Martin in Leverage, which and she's you know, Bates Motel. I love, I love Bates, Bates Motel. Mm. So good! Oh my gosh! Bates Motel. Oh poo! Yeah, so I accidentally just closed out my cast list, but I know who's next. Okay. So I cast Joan. Um, and the first person I thought about the entire time, I was like, I thought Sorry, of Jack I Black. I, yes. sw- I swear. I kept thinking, Jack Black with a wig. Jack Black with a wig. And so I told Adam, I'm like, I'm just going to make it Jack Black with a wig because, I mean, they do some crazy stuff in casting. But then I thought about it and I'm like, well, if I want to do an actual thing. So IRL, my favorite would be Jack Black with a wig. But then Which I would is, choose, I um, I, yeah, what's I her name? Beanie, Beanie Feldstein. Feldstein. And she's, you know, um, she plays and stuff like, uh, book, sure. book oh. smart, book smart. Thank you. That's oh my I gosh. I love that. Yeah. She's the non-lesbian friend. Yeah. So we make her lesbian here. That's all. right. Switch it up. Um, <laughs> And that's her. Oh, um, I personally ship uh, the Jack Black in a wig. Thank idea. you. I oh, thought yeah. so. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. Okay. Um, my Joan was Emily Hampshire. She is Stevie on Shit Creek. 
I like and she has the long hair. I love her too. Her <laughs> chemistry with David's chemistry is oh, wild. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. That's the first thing I liked about the show. Took a few minutes, like took a few episodes for me to get into it, but that was one of the first things I liked was their relationship. And my favorite thing, and they're like, she's like, congratulations, you know, and they're like, uh, what is it? Uh, what are those little things they say to each other, you know, and it's like, good for you. And what are the other, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? Yes, but I don't think that's, I do. That's just, they're like, that's well just so yet. great. That's, Lord, I can't, anyway. <laughs> it's like it's they actually there. don't feel that way, but they're saying words. Yeah. Yes, they, but somebody had it, put it on a cake. Somebody that I know recently put one of the things on a cake and it's like, um, God, I forget what it is. But, you know, it's one of those like things that people say to each other, like we say it back and forth and they just say it for whatever. It's so funny. So empty platitudes. Sure. Yes. Empty platitudes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Empty platypus. <laughs> empty platypus. Okay. Um, my Joan was Madeline Madeline. Arthur. She is Christine on To All the Boys. And mm. she's in Big Eyes and the Family. Don't ask me okay. who she plays in those. She looks very familiar, but I don't think I've seen her in any of those. But I, I think guess she's low-key Amanda Seyfried. Uh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> her personality Done. is not Done. though. <laughs> if, if, I don't, if she's anything like Christine in, uh, what's it called? God, To All the uh, Boys. To All the Boys. Oh my goodness. I loved All the Boys I Loved Before. I, I read the book, watched the movie. It was great. And I love her in it. She's fantastic. I have yeah. not done either. But I'm I would like to. I hear out. great things. I've heard good things. Great things. The, I can't remember who's last. I think we only have Erwin, right? Erwin, Erwin. Yes, Erwin. Does that seem right? Um, I chose Justin Long with glasses. I think he looks very <laughs> like nerdy, like a math professor. Yeah, like I thought he would look like somebody who would be carrying books and be like, "What time is it? Come back and sleep with me." Oh, he's the math teacher. Yeah. Oh, okay. Math yeah, Erwin. So I chose him. Um, I specifically looked up pictures of Justin Long with glasses because I thought it would make him more. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Yes. Mine um, is. Charlie Heaton, which is Jonathan on Stranger Things. Oh my god. He kept popping up on all my lists because, you know, you have to go to Google and, you know, just feverishly search for stuff. Yeah. For, but I thought he was a, topics that yes. the actor or actress you want. And that is one of him. The, like, he was the actor that kept popping up and I kept thinking, Stranger Things, man, I cannot wait for season four, but that's besides the point. Okay. I just very, very quickly cast him. <laughs> I was like, fuck these people. I don't care about any of them. <laughs> uh, Matthew Davis, uh, he plays in, he was a Lark Saltzman in The Vampire Diaries. And I was on kick. And he's also, you know, the boyfriend in Legally Blonde, the one where she's like, um, if I want to get into yeah. Harvard. Yeah, that guy. That's him. Nice. Okay. okay. I love Legally Blonde so much. Girl, they put it on Netflix, and I was uh, like, I'm gonna watch this real fucking quick. Mm-hmm. We're taking the dog, dumbass. <laughs> that was so good. That was so Very, good. Is Jennifer Coolidge, is that her name? Your yes. impression is very good i want to so watch a cinderella like story now with her right. in it right. like, i love her as the mom the... for stifler's mom listen <laughs> i can't so, so that's that's one of her other quotes i really like 
Oh, you look like the She's fourth of July. <laughs> Make me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> I couldn't finish it. I couldn't finish it. Oh, that one gets me every time. <laughs> Ooh, oh, God. Yeah, rip to anyone using headphones to listen to this because I just destroyed them. <laughs> the mirrors. Yeah. You ever thought you have asthma, Heather? Oh, I do. It's diagnosed. Okay. That's that wheezing. It's okay. Mm, that bronchos. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Get me every time. Beautiful. (laughs) You just need to like tape your glasses right down the middle. Carry a couple of books. Carry a watch that won't work and just be like, what time is it? I'm not happy about these stereotypes, (laughs) but they're so funny. Hey. Oh, goddamn. Can't help, but you can't help, man. All right, and all right. a sexy nerd, and she knows it. She is. I brand myself as a nerd on the daily. Well, as as Hank Green likes to tell us, or John Green, which, whichever one it is. I, I thought remember. you meant Hank Hill at first, and I'm like, what did he say? <laughs> no. I was like, propane, was propane, propane accessories. <laughs> <laughs> I really, that was, was my first thought. I was like, <laughs> As a nerd, you get to really, really love stuff. Like, jump up and down, you know, love stuff, so... That's what he says. Right? Absolutely. Gosh, I love it all. Alrighty. Any last thoughts before we wrap this cookie up? Blow this popsicle stand. Well, thank you, ladies, for reading this with me. I know it wasn't the most enjoyable. Um, I'm glad I did read it uh, with you, ladies. I think it's a good discussion topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, now I'm not going to stop picking mental health books, uh, mainly because I don't mean to. Um, I just choose books. And I'm like, oh, I hear this is really great. And then I get it and I find out some deep thing. And I'm like, great. You know, awesome. so I really don't mean to. It just happens. But thanks for reading with me. That's my yeah, thought. Well, we got to read a, you know, plethora. A broad, yeah. A broad. We need a spectrum. You definitely absolutely yeah, yeah. broad horizon, broaden our horizons. I think it's a mm-hmm. it's good to step into the yeah. That's what I do like about about us doing book club is like I I'm reading things that I you know like I said I read for escapism I wouldn't like I wouldn't have picked where the crowd had sing and I wouldn't have picked this book but I do think that we got a lot of fruitful conversation out of it and I'm kind of but completely I completely enjoy talking about this stuff with you guys so yes Sarah thank mm-hmm. you for picking the Belgar oh, uh, to make us read I probably it. can't wait to pick the next weird thing but that's okay. Mm. Okay, you might have to get, if you're going to keep doing this, I'm going to need you to make cast, my co-host, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not no, I'm just I'll still kidding. listen. <laughs> <laughs> every, every other, every, or what is it, twice a month, she's on there just crying. <laughs> no, I don't even know who we can place you with. Great no. book. That's right. I'm just we kidding. Don't know. I mean, right. I think I've, I've, I've I picked quite a few romances, so we can kick me off for that. And then Heather's just perfect. So. Okay. I think we should have a. <laughs> what have you picked so far, Heather? Wishes? Which Wishes, was which was a romance. Well, and is then the I next got... book yours? Sorry, you I can don't recall. We, we can talk about it right now. We have our listeners. Oh, yes, we have Belgium listeners. Shout out to Belgium. We They're have somebody in Lagos. Lo- I cannot say it. But mm. Nigeria you just lost as well. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes. We just lost them. Just kidding. Oh, Nigeria. Listen to us. I hope they all enjoy us. I'm assuming they, they do, but you know. If you do, wrong. send me chocolate. 
don't. Oh, they don't have your. I'm assuming assuming the one person that is like listening to us and it looks like Callie is your brother Heather. Oh, but Cody I would also... rather not even listen to any of this. So. <laughs> That's not what's happening. Okay, well, it, well. it's somebody else then, because there are, I don't know. Like Joe I have some of Cody's him. friends on my Instagram that might be seeing some of this. I also so. don't know if that's where LA is, so I'm, I could be wrong. Our, my, our little dog. Uh-huh. They're new. Hello, California listeners. Nice to meet you. Well, you know. <laughs> anyway. Hashtag not uh-huh. a professional. Hashtag indie podcast. <laughs> indie podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. I mean... We'll be able to close it out before it's two hours. I'll be really happy about that because we haven't been able to do that with the the long episode yet. It's a good thing it was a pretty short book, too. I feel like we always say, like, the short books are pretty worth it. But it wasn't, like, I listened to the um, audiobook and really I could have had it read quicker. But I just like the way that she read it to me. That probably, honestly, is what. I would definitely recommend listening to the Bell Jar audiobook. I listened to it on YouTube because it was free. Um, it was the, like I said, Maggie. It's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, his sister. And she did a really, really good job. Like, I think she did fantastic with reading that. And it definitely kept my attention. And she, I mean, just the moments and the things she says, like when you could tell the really uh, stream of consciousness, the way that she portrayed, it was just really good. I liked it. Cool, cool. Sound in. Heather, any last stuff before you close us out? Nope. I'm ready to go if y'all are. Let's do it. All right, fellow readers, it's time to say goodbye. Remember to check our Instagram for upcoming reads and casting lists. A big thanks to myself for writing the theme song, Mm -hmm. Cynthia, who does our episode art, and our respective life partners for their unwavering support. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us next time when we turn the page. Bye. Bye.